Hi, I'm Tony G, host of The Tony G Show, as well as The Tony G Show interviews. Our guest today is Mike Walrick, who is the head coach of the St. Norbert College Green Knight baseball team. Walrick has been part of the team for nearly 20 years as he was a two-time second-team All-Midwest Conference first baseman, graduating from St. Norbert in 2008. He also coached for nine seasons as an assistant before taking over as head coach, with his first official season at the helm being the 2019 campaign. Walrick was also recently named an assistant athletic director of the SNC Athletics Department and has agreed to spend some time on the show at the onset of his fourth season as head coach. Now, here is the Tony G Show interviews, Mike Walrick. Today's Tony G Show interview is St. Norbert College head baseball coach Mike Walrick. And for the first time ever, I am conducting a Tony G Show interview with a coach that I used to play for. And with that, I'm going to welcome him in. Mike Walrick, thanks for coming on to the Tony G Show interviews and spending time with me today. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. The whole story between you and me goes a couple years prior. I'll, I'll mention this before we get into some interview questions. I was committed to play elsewhere for baseball through our mutual friend, Jason Fonder, who I've had on the Tony G Show before. You and I got linked up for a hitting session. It was more like a, I wouldn't say it was like a class, but it was like a hitting program that you and some players had put on that you had coached. And through that, you saw my swing, my beautiful, gracious swing that was just so Barry Bonds-like. And you were like, hey, why don't you come take a take a tour of St. Norbert College and see what you think of it. So I toured, and here we are. A couple years later, I ended up decommitting from that old school, recommitting here to St. Norbert College to play for Mike Walrick. Had to leave the program because of some professional opportunities, but you and I have kept a close relationship ever since. Absolutely. What was my swing like? Well, first, I think I want to talk about that light blue velour jumpsuit you were wearing that <laughs> I day. Still that. Yeah, that's right. I uh, love that. <laughs> no, that swing swing was compact. At, you know, really aggressive. I loved it. <laughs> um, but the velour jumpsuit is what pushed me onto the the next next recruiting level. I still have that. I wore that actually within the last year. I did. Tony, I don't know if you want to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> I still have that in the closet. I just looked at it the other day going through some spring cleaning stuff. I'm like, I should wear this again. The I should have wore it today. You should have. That would have been great. Why didn't I do that? Well, Mike, you were just getting back from a Florida trip with your team. And I want to know how that Florida trip went for you, both on-field-wise and off-field-wise. What was it like to get out of Wisconsin for a week? Well, for the first time in two years, we were able to travel and stay overnight. So that was that was really nice for the players. Uh, we flew for the first time in, I think, school history. Um, we've had some issues with some bus travel, but uh, the, the trip was great. Our, our guys are... Are, are working hard and uh, you know as, as you get down there in warmer weather it's always nice to be outside sometimes the sky gets a little blue but uh, yeah. it definitely definitely was nice to be outside and playing some good baseball what was a plane ride like opposite of a bus ride I know you guys have had your fair share of bus troubles in the past I've heard stories every single year just the bad luck but what was it like to fly this time well, we, it started off uh, started off great till our plane got delayed three hours. Of and, course it did. And yeah, just baseball travel. No, it was great. It was uh, it was nice to get down to Milwaukee and uh, then flew out of Milwaukee into Orlando, which uh, we didn't get in until really late due to the delay. It was uh, I think five thirty when we finally showed up at our houses in the morning wow. um, of Friday, and then we had to practice at ten thirty. Yeah, I know. I've heard stories of that where you guys get off the bus. And then it's time to practice. You just get right to the practice field. Everybody grab your bags and let's have a couple hour practice. Yep. We go right into BP to start too, not to put any pressure on the guys. You know, their legs are a little tired from from the plane. But uh, <laughs> no, it was it was nice. We had a really good practice down there, high energy. 
uh, it was it was good to get out on the first day. Yeah, don't waste any time. What are your favorite parts of these annual trips to Florida? Is there any favorite memories that you have from your time down there? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the bus was fun for the first twelve hours. Uh, the, the, <laughs> yeah. the team camaraderie was always nice. Uh, but overall, it's just to see the guys compete. I think usually that's our first amount of games we get to play in the year. Um, these last couple of years, we've done some trips or some games before we would be on spring break. But normally, it's our first time on a field. So it's nice to see the guys out there competing. How do you, as a head coach, navigate a lineup where you're starting pitchers? Or how do you navigate games going up against teams down south that you've never seen before, you've never heard of before? Do you do some research ahead of time or you just kind of go in there and trust your trust your guys yeah in December when they give us our schedule uh for Florida specifically I, I definitely go through and look and uh, we use a, a couple uh scouting reports or uh, companies that give out spray charts and and then I actually read every play-by-play from everybody that's on their roster on wow. where the balls were hit how often they sacrifice are they steal do they steal a lot are they push punters do they uh, do the pitchers usually strike out a lot of guys uh which usually means they throw a little harder uh, how they play defensively? Do we have a game plan on on how their bunting is going to happen? So we do a lot of pre stuff with that. But the spray charts are huge, uh, especially for teams you haven't seen before. Is there a certain year that you went down there and you faced a certain team or a certain player that you're like, holy cow, this guy should not be playing at this level. He should be at the next level. Is there any one team or player that you coached against or played against that? You're like, holy cow, down there in Florida. Yeah, we always joke about it. The former head coach, Tom Winsky, uh, we always jokingly said about a kid from uh, Anderson. We actually played Anderson this year early. Uh, his name is Michael Tucker. He had, uh, I think he had every every ball thrown at him out. <laughs> he was an All-American catcher, um, a huge human being, and we, we still to this day talk about, we called him Mother Tucker at the time because <laughs> he completely owned us. About you personally as a player, you were a Two-time second-team All-Midwest Conference first baseman as a player, graduated from St. Norbert College in 2008, then became an assistant coach for about nine years, and then the head coach here heading into your fourth season at that position. What is your story of becoming a Green Knight? How did you end up here at St. Norbert College, and what's your history with the program? Uh, before I got to St. Norbert, I was at a junior college, uh, Prairie State in Chicago Heights, and it uh, just wasn't working out for me. And uh, at the time, my, my oldest sister lived here, and uh, I reached out to a few coaches, and Coach Winsky actually was the first one that got back to me. So I came up and sent him some video that I had made and uh, thought it would be a good fit. You know, I knew the school uh, was, was definitely high academics, and I thought I could compete uh, both as a player but also as a student in, in the school. So um, that's why I came up here, and then it just fell in love with the place. I met my wife here. I don't intend on leaving. From playing for you for years, it seems like your specialty is hitting. Is that what made you a two-time second-team All-Midwest Conference first baseman, or was it your defense? It, it definitely was not the defense, although, <laughs> although you know, it's tough to be bad. It's just sitting at first. Um, sure. You know, yeah. I, I was an all-right hitter. I, I think I was more confident than I was good. Uh, yeah. So I think that that goes a long way. You played and coached, like you said, for the longtime head coach of St. Norbert College, Tom Winsky, who departed for a D1 program, Central Michigan University, ahead of the 2018-2019 school year. After him leaving, you took over as the interim head coach, you were awarded the head coach position after that year has since been bumped up to full-time. Take me through the entire process of what it was like when you learned that Winsky would be leaving. Is it something that you thought he would always do, something you saw coming in recent months, or is it something that just came out of nowhere? What was that process like when he left the program? Well, as I actually remember this. We went to um, had a coaches meeting at the at the local establishment, the Abbey, which was nice. Tom bought had bought dinner for uh, me and one of our other assistants, and just explained that there was an opportunity possibly coming up, and that was at the end of May 
of uh, of that. It was right after the season ended, and he didn't want to get too in depth with it. But uh, my goal was always to be a head coach, um, whether it took you know 15 or 20 years, I had no clue. Uh, but the goal was to be a head coach. So I, as he said that and and gave us the information, we found out um, early early July that it was most likely going to happen. I know that he had expressed uh, uh, to us how how happy he was with the, with the possibility of coming and or t- taking that job and. Then I then I thought to myself I said I you know th- these guys these guys deserve to have an easy transition, um, and I was hoping that the athletic director at the time Tim Bald uh, would give me the opportunity just because I thought it was it would have been just a smooth transition for our athletes and it ended up being a great job, um, you know Tim gave me the opportunity as the interim to start off and um, we didn't really find out till almost school started though, uh, and the players had plenty of questions and you know as the assistant who's still on the team and you basically answer with. We're not sure yet, but uh, keep plugging along. I'll be there, be around if you need something. And then when I found out, I believe it was like the first, maybe the 20th, 21st of August of that year, and school started like a week and a half later. Um, so getting in getting in that job and being the interim, it was a little stressful. I think um, anybody having the interim title is, is always tough, but uh, it was Tim was really confident. He said, just this is what we do, and you know, make sure that we keep keep working along and and he was really uh, open with it, so it wasn't as, as bad as I initially had thought um, it could have possibly been. But as the year progressed, he was he was confident with me and, and gave me some insight to it. So I, after removing the interim tag, it was nice. Uh, but then COVID hit. We got a, t- a tough break. Uh, and I'm, when I say we, I mean everybody throughout the country got a tough break sports-wise in the spring of 2020. Um, our season got shut down. Uh, seniors weren't sure how, how this would work. Um, was the NCAA going to give us the opportunity to have guys come back? Uh, which they did, which was the right move. Um, fast forward a year from that, we had two guys from that senior class end up coming back. One uh, is an assistant now for me, Jack Maastricht, and the other one was Miles Cruz, uh, uh, a pitcher at the time. At the time. At yeah. the time, we had we had uh, we had decided that him not throwing strikes was more opportunities in the outfield, <laughs> and um, he had uh, he thought that was great too, and he was a great leader. So having those two guys come back and. And paying the extra money to come to school because it's not like Division One where they just keep their scholarships. Right. They had to take another, another, some of them another loans to to finish out their career. So it must say something to those guys uh, how much baseball here has meant to them. And um, I I couldn't have been happier with uh, with Jack and Miles coming back for that year. And then going into this year, we're we're excited about where we're at. Um, we have a lot of young guys, but we have some uh, some high quality seniors that um, an upperclassman that'll definitely lead the team. I want to ask you. There's so many questions that I have for you. I think we'll just work in chronological order. Back in this 2018-19 school year, this was my freshman year, so I got the email ahead of the school year I was coming into my freshman year that Winsky had left the program. Then you take over, and I was with you through that fall season, and now, of course, you're still here as the head coach doing a great job. What challenges or difficulties arose that you didn't think, because you said you always wanted to be a head coach, but what did you not foresee coming your way or difficulties or challenges as a head coach that you dealt with? Well, me specifically, I think the toughest part was I wasn't full-time on campus, and, and really our athletes deserved to have somebody there. So I always tried to make sure that I was available, um, whether it be by phone or text. Um, that was that was a very, very, very hard for us uh, as a program because when you got an issue going on, um, whether it be academics or, or anything, um, they need to go to their coach, and it wasn't uh, an opportunity for them to. So... Uh, after working eight to ten hours a day, then trying to deal with this, that was extremely difficult. Um, it was draining, and I'm, it was it was hard. So working through that was probably the hardest thing for me. 
spending those near, let's call it 15 years around Winsky. What parts of his coaching do you use with your players, or what did you learn from him that you use in your coaching style today? Uh, he was definitely hard on guys. Um, you know, expected a lot, and uh, I, I think I, I try to do that as best as I can, um, knowing that today's athlete is a little different, their dynamic is a little different. Um, I try to hold him to high standards, uh, as he did, and uh, just expect uh, expect the best out of him. Um, and I think one, you know, fundamentally we, we – we, we teach bunting here a little bit different than we do it than I would say any other school um, I would around. I, I've um, been part of those days. <laughs> we, we spent a lot of time doing it. And um, that's one thing that he was really big on uh, was, was making sure the fundamentals of bunting was down because at the division three level, we're not hitting 25 to 40 home runs a year. Uh, we need a little bit. I would, I don't call it small ball cause we don't necessarily sacrifice too often, but um, it's definitely a, a smaller type ball. With COVID that COVID year that wiped out, your entire season in 2020. Take me through, recount as much of that time as you can for me and Tony G Nation here on the Tony G Show interviews with Mike Walwick. Take me through that time. When did you learn? Was it an email? Was it a phone call that you learned you weren't going to have a season? Did you know it was coming? What was that time like to be a head coach? Well, actually, that was going to be the first year we were going to be flying instead of busing. Of course. Um, was, yeah. So all the players were excited. We we're going into Thursday. We were supposed to leave around noon. Uh, to head down to our, our flights. And Tim Ball had called me and said, you know, there was everybody canceling around the country, started, and he just said, yeah, we're, st- we're still going. This was about 8.15 in the morning. Uh, I'm still going. And I, so I had started packing my stuff to leave the house. And then 15 minutes later, got a phone call said he had just, Tim from Tim said he had just got off the phone with our president, Brian Brees, and said that everything was shut down. So then I had to relay the message to the team. Uh, by 10 o'clock, we had we had all found out that uh, we weren't going to be able to go. And that was just, just as Florida. We weren't at that time sure the season was going to be shut down. Right. We were just sure that Florida wasn't going to happen just because they didn't want guys traveling. So in our mind, if we would have just gotten on the bus to the to Milwaukee, we, I could have shut my phone off and not, exactly. not had to deal with it then. But uh, it, it stopped us stopped us kind of dead in our tracks. Um, it was definitely a, a shock to the players um, mentally and you know physically too. They were all getting excited to go and packing and, you know, they they paid for the flights and, and then what had happened the, the next week and a half was difficult. Cause again, like I said, we were still weren't sure that the whole season was shut down. What about the next year after? Cause there was everything up in the air. So you lost the spring season of 2020, then the fall season of 2020, you know, you go through the whole summer, then the athletics department here at St. Norbert college didn't have the fall season, didn't have the winter season and spring was still up in the air. I remember thinking is, are we going to have baseball, softball? Or are we not going to? So what was the next year like? And what was it like to actually get some ball in? Yeah, it, it was nice. We were able to have, still have fall practices, which we were in our pods that they called them at the time. And um, we were able to still get out on the field, which still felt some some normalcy. But, um, you know, wearing masks outside was difficult for the guys uh, just because you don't normally do that. But then also all the testing, the COVID testing they had to go through, which rightfully so had to do it. Uh, getting into the spring, we had we we didn't even finalize our schedule, which usually those are finalized the summer before. Our schedule wasn't even finalized until wow. – you know, middle, middle of February and, you know, they were moving parts. I remember talking with uh, Seth wing from Cornell. Hey, you want to play this tomorrow? And he said, yeah, we just had two games canceled. Sure. So they came up and and they played us on a Friday and uh, the school was really great with getting our guys out of class to give them the student athlete experience that they deserved. And then again, working in chronological order, we're heading into the 2022 SNC baseball season. Just this last winter, you were finally awarded for your commitment to this program by being promoted to a full-time head coach and an assistant athletic director, what has been the most rewarding part of this long-awaited promotion? 
Well, I joke with my wife. It was it's 15 years of uh, we felt like a, a long time coming. Both of us being alum, um, I mean, they know we know how hard it was to to push through those times, not having a uh, we'll say a full time commitment um, in that aspects. But that was great when when I got the phone call from Cam um, that there was possibly an opportunity. Um, I I immediately said you know that those 15 years were worth it, and uh, got the opportunity uh, end of January this year and uh, loved it. I, I think it's a it's kind of the the pace that I need to be in. I've always worked in a fast paced environment. I, I ran an irrigation company, which snow plowing and irrigation is no fun, but yeah. it's fast paced. So um, you definitely want to want to make sure it's the same. So I got the same opportunity in that. Obviously dealing with different type of people, uh, which is, is is definitely a more athletic minded I am. I think it's an interesting story, and of course a respectful one, to be working in irrigation and be, for the last couple of years, be a head coach of a college baseball program. You must have been working, you know, in your Aprils where you don't have games and you got practice at night or whatever. You must be working 12, 16-hour days where you're just nonstop going, trying to better the program, but also trying to be a full-time husband, dad to three and a full-time employee. I mean, you must have, do you feel like that time really wore you out as a head coach, but also a full-time employee elsewhere? Absolutely. There's a, there's a story that our guys will tell you, um, that were around in 20, I must say it was either 2019 or 2020 during practice season. Um, I was, I had worked, uh, close to 60 hours straight, um, plowing. I would plow all night and then come to practice and I'd go back to plow. And, uh, we were sitting in the classroom, um, writing down the kind of the practice plan for the day. And I, and one of the coaches finally tapped me on the shoulder, said, Wally, you're, you're, you don't have any vowels in there. Um, <laughs> the, and I looked at the board and it was just a bunch of gibberish. So I can only imagine what the, the players did. So I just took the marker, closed it and said, all right, guys, let's go practice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a, though, and that happened multiple times, you know, and I've never been afraid of hard work. That's not something I am. I think hard work is how you earn things, but, uh, that was difficult. Yeah. It was wearing on me and Family life, like you said, the kids were getting a little bit abused when it came to that, and they were yeah. missing on their dad, and um, you know he's not around. And my wife's a saint for that, you know, allowing me to coach as long as I did without without being a profession. What was it like the 2018 school year? You were an assistant at the time, but there's a big snowstorm here in Wisconsin. It snowed, I think it was Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nonstop, blizzard-like conditions, like 30 inches. You must have been plowing nonstop there. It was the middle of baseball season two. You guys were shoveling out on the field. What memories do you have of that that time? Well, with that that we saw the snow coming, and we had we Coach Winsky at the time had talked with Monmouth and Knox um, to use their field with uh, Coach DeGeorge from Beloit. Uh, we went down on Thursday and played two games against Beloit at Monmouth, and then traveled back up during the snowstorm. And I remember coming over the uh, the bridge in Oshkosh, and the the bus driver just plowing through the snow that was there. And uh, we got back, um, had to work all weekend uh, cleaning out the snow. And then we left again on, on Sunday night to go down to Knox where we were playing Beloit for the second doubleheader of our conference, a conference weekend that was supposed to be on uh, Saturday, Sunday. We moved to Thursday and Monday. Um, so we saw it, but it, yeah, it was that was a long weekend. Absolutely. I'm getting sidetracked here asking you a question about that past year. I want to stay on topic here and ask you about how you got your full-time position and with the promotion, with anybody getting a promotion, whether it's in sports or anything else, there's always an interesting dynamic of what they feel. And I want to know what you felt getting this promotion and this new title and responsibility. Do you feel a sense of belonging here at St. Norbert College with this new position, or do you feel like you have to prove yourself and earn it with this new 
salary and everything that comes with it, the new time crunch and everything that you have. I think this was definitely a, a lot less work overall than I've than I've had to do in the past of being the head coach here. Um, I don't think there's any pressure. Uh, the, Cam has done a great job of of spelling out his ex- expectations and and that um, there's no extra pressure on me when it comes to um, d- handling extra jobs. I don't have to do it anymore. I'm here. Um, and and when actually we can go back just a little bit more. This this is kind of a longer thinking for me. Um, when, when I had found out about Tim Bald's retirement, I had, my wife and my mother-in-law have been hounding me to go back to school to get my master's degree. And I was putting it off, putting it off. But, uh, December, December of 2020, I decided to go back, um, just in case something like this were to come up. Um, so I'm one class away from getting my master's degree now. And, um, it's, it's definitely something that I'm, I'm proud of, but, uh, probably wouldn't have happened if, if if my wife and my mother-in-law didn't push me to do it. So this is, this is one of the reasons that I'm, I enjoy this position that I'm currently in is because it's what I'm, it's what I'm going to school for. You've mentioned that Cam has done a great job. And I would agree as the new athletic director here at St. Norbert college in his first year, taking over for Tim Bald, who spent 17 years with St. Norbert college athletics. What was the transition like as a head coach? Cause you were head coach at the time that Bald had stepped away and retired and Cam Fuller had, had uh, took over the athletics department. What was it like to be a head coach at this time? What involvement did you have in Cam, if any, if with Cam getting this new position? And what was it like when he got into office? Uh, well, Cam's very transparent. If you have a question you want answered, and if he has the answer for you, he'll tell you. Um, and uh, I think that's how programs and departments should operate. Uh, Cam, like I said, Cam has done a good job. When it took, when I was still part time. Um, or volunteer technically as the this process was going on. So I wasn't able to be in a lot of the meetings um, just for lack of time. Uh, and I remember the first interview with, I think there were six at the time that I, I actually did get to listen to afterwards. Uh, we were in a game, um, so I w- wouldn't have been able to anyways uh, to hear it. But uh, I, I've known Cam actually a pretty long time. Uh, had a good opportunity. I played baseball here with his older brother. Um, so I, got, I met Cam 15 years ago before. Uh, before his his uh, professional career started, so I was able to get a, a conversation with him, as all the coaches were before, um, and just kind of explained a little bit of how where I thought the the department was, and he was definitely open ears and and listened, and was very confident that that uh, any of the possible shortcomings could be rectified just with a little bit of time and and pushing, and and that's one of the reasons I'm I'm actually excited still. Uh, to be here full time now is it you know you asked for a little bit of time and in my position specifically it, it took a little bit of time what is your relationship like with other coaches and faculty members and has it changed at all now that you're full time I think it's definitely changed for a positive I get to be on campus a little bit more um, obviously than I was before and and even before I got the job I thought you know our our, our program has been um, I would say lacking a face for so long on campus that uh, even even the start of last of this school year I would go to more things than than um, than probably time allowed for uh, that previously weren't able to do it. I just made more time to make sure that people uh, knew that baseball had a face. And uh, the other coaches have been great. You know, anytime I need anything, uh, it's awesome to be there. I, I would say those those relationships are getting a lot better. Uh, the the morning talks that you have with coaches that are in there, Coach Augustine. Every time I walk in and this team's got to practice, you know, he walks up and says, "How's it going?" And and we get a chance to to chat a little bit more and. Um, it's nice to be in there and, and uh, create relationships that weren't uh, available before. You've had to deal with a lot of change just in your short time of being a, a head coach. And we've talked about the athletic director switch, but you guys have also switched conferences. All of 
The athletic department here at St. Norbert College has switched conferences besides the hockey programs. You've gone from the Midwest Conference, which is a lot of travel and a lot of rivalries that St. Norbert College has built up with Ripon or Lake Forest in basketball and, and teams alike. Now that you're going into a new conference, the NACC, what challenges do you have as a head coach that you face with this new conference? This conference is definitely, uh, I would say, the higher end is 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 more is definitely higher. Um, the talent wise, we have a few teams in there that are ranked in the top twenty five. One being Aurora, I think they're at nine right now. Um, you know, so while it may be a little bit less travel overall, it'll probably be more travel for baseball, uh, just because you, there's more teams, so you're gonna have to play more more conference games, games that you might necessarily could have had at home in a non-con game. Um, we have to travel a little, to, you know, to play those games. Uh, we're excited with the challenge, absolutely. Absolutely, I think we got some guys that'll definitely compete um, and and hopefully win us some games. But the the character on our program, our guys are awesome. They they're excited for the challenge. I know our coaches are, and uh, we open up in uh, two, less than two weeks. I had this question slated lower in my script that I want to ask you, but you mentioned the word, and I want to ask you what it means to you now. And we'll transition into some of your other philosophies as a head coach. What does the word character mean to you as a head coach running a program? We, uh, when I took over in uh, 2000, like you said, 2019 um, would have been the first year. Um, I, I, we always had this uh, this saying in our program um, from the previous head coach that uh, we didn't really own up to or, or anything like that. So I thought it would have been uh, beneficial for the players to have, I just say, some skin in the game that they come up with something that uh, definitely meant meant more to them. Um, so I asked them four questions at the be- their first fall meeting, and they had to answer them in one word, and, and that's why, how I wanted to get the acronym going. And uh, came back, there was nine words that were that were pretty high up up on the list that the next ten and below weren't weren't even close. And the only word that came out of that uh, word search was character. So we we try to push high character in our teams, and we're gonna fail at times. Um, nobody's perfect, and and we don't strive to be perfect in our in our program. We strive for perfection, for excellence. Um, and we're going to fail. We're going to we're going to kind of have shortcomings. But uh, if we can rely on any sort of adversity coming up on the word character, that's what we try to do. Using that question to segue to some of your philosophies and how you conduct yourself or your program as a head coach. I'll start with this this question. And I want to I want you to elaborate on what it means and why it is this way. You always say, again, I used to play for you and I used to hear it a lot. You have to earn the right to swing on 3-0. For those non-baseball fans, that means three balls, no strikes. That is a hitter's count, the golden goose of hitter's counts, and you have to earn swinging on that. How do you determine when a player has actually earned that right? We do a lot of charting um, in, in live at-bats before the season starts throughout their career um, and spend a lot of time watching their BP, but the charting is what we go off of uh, often. Are they swinging at pitches that are in their hot zones or not? Um, and if we're confident uh, that, that they're comfortable swinging in those positions, I have no problem giving them the 3-0 especially if it's a guy that's comfortable doing it. Um, normally, I would say it's probably more geared towards the top of the lineup. Guys are going to put more damage on the ball because we use that term a lot. Um, but 3-0 is definitely earned. You, you, can't, you can't go in. 3-0 is earned from a 2-0 swing. Uh, if you get a good 2-0 swing in a, in a game, you're probably more likely to get a 3-0 swing, especially if there's runners on and, and a chance to tie a ball game. What is the most important thing you look for in recruiting or if a player is in your program now hitting-wise that you determine if this is a hitter that can be successful at a Division three college level or something that they need to work on? What is the most important thing that you look for? Balance throughout the swing. If they're falling forward, they're not going to be able to hit anything off speed. And that's one thing you run into a lot with, with a little bit lower levels too is um, guys are very talented at this level, but sometimes they're, they're lacking – um, having seen good breaking balls or good change-ups. 
and uh, you know you commit to the fastball way too early and you start falling forward, your barrel goes down through the zone. And I know there's a lot of arguments about your barrel should go down to the zone, but the, if you look at the the swing path of of all good hitters, it doesn't go down to the ball. Um, you know, the, the, the other saying is put the knob to the ball. If you're doing that, you're going to get jammed a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's more of just a mental cue for, for people. But uh, if you're floating forward and your hips are going forward during the swing, your barrel's coming straight down. And if anybody's good at math or geometry, it only gives you one intersecting point, And that uh, doesn't lead for high average. That was something that I had a problem with a lot of. I, a lot of pop-ups to the third baseman, a lot of weak ground balls back to the pitcher. Yeah, come on, you know, stay balanced, wait back on the off speed. Well, what's a drill that you use for your players who are struggling with that balance? Uh, we, we have a few different ones. Um, most of them are on T, and I'm not a big t- proponent of T's just because I don't think it does anything to translate to uh, overall to a, a good swing. But when you take away the timing aspect of a swing, uh, meaning no ball flying at you, you can really focus on the mechanics of how things should work. And um, there's a few of them. We have a call the step back drill where the guys, you take a big step backwards to before they start their swing, just to start feeling that they need to be on their backside. Um, extended load is another one where they're really breaking down the actual load of the swing and uh, working in their lower half. Um, just a couple of those. And whenever we get into, you know, two strike approach now, uh, we want to make sure our guys are balanced throughout. So, we're not. We take away the stride a lot of times in that, so we're not moving as much as we sh- as we normally would. You have the Mike Walrick hitting camp that you do uh, in the off season. It's run through the winter on Sundays. I've been part of it as a, a again a former player of yours. What is the most important advice? Okay, let's do a hypothetical here. I'm a young high schooler looking to play college ball. What is the most important advice that you can give me to be successful at a college level? Trust yourself. There's going to be a lot of down ups and downs in this. This is a it's an elevator business, I, I call it. You know, there's you're going up and you're down. There's highs, there's lows. Uh, try to stay as as even keeled as you can, level headed. And it's very difficult, even as a coach, uh, to not ride the highs and to to get frustrated with the lows. But you have to. This game will beat you down uh, mentally. It's the only sport you can fail seven times out of ten and still be considered good. Um, we joke in our our practices sometimes. Aaron Rodgers can't go out and throw 30% completions and make the the 200 mil that he just signed for or whatever right. it is. Yep. You know, you got to be really. This is the only sport you can fail uh, more often than not and still be considered good. I like asking coaches this question when I have them here for the Tony G Show interviews. And I've already kind of asked you one, but I'm going to ask you some more. What is your favorite defensive drill to run to work out some kinks, whether it's fielding, whether it's you know timing, whether it's a throw? What are some defensive drills you run your your team through? With with the the change of uh, times, I'd say we get into a bit more machine work than than uh, than not. So defensively, we do this. Um, we have a machine set up where I can work multiple ground balls, multiple fly balls, um, without having to wait for a ball to come down. Uh, the machines allow us some flexibility to to go from instead of getting exhausted as a coach who's probably not in the best shape as they should be, <laughs> uh, swinging a fungo all the time. Uh, to shooting balls out at more of a rapid pace, working you know all four positions at a rapid pace in the infield, um, and then taking chances to work on double plays, run throughs, backhand forehands, um, ranging balls, you know corner corner drills with the topspin, backups coming in, um, infi- middle infielders get more more backspin balls, so working on balls coming off the bat that way. Um, so we, that takes. It's about a 22-minute practice at, uh, just for ground balls and throwing. So they're limiting some of the throwing, uh, but they're still getting a lot of reps. A drill that you love to run, you know, and maybe more fun for some of the players, what is the most relaxing drill or something that you reward the players with in practice that, 
that you guys enjoy doing as like a fun drill that everybody gets to run? Friday mornings um, during the preseason before we start playing, we always we turn it into competition Fridays. And um, we didn't have many of them this year where we allow the players to uh, challenge others. But we have had it in the past where uh, a player can challenge another player or coach for that matter in a different uh, – <laughs> in a different uh, uh, drill. So one year, um, one of our previous pitchers had challenged me to a live at bat, and I haven't swung a bat in probably 15 years. And it uh, didn't go well for me, but I wasn't going to back down from that challenge. But uh, this year, um, I think I think our players really enjoy it. We call it first base lacrosse. Um, we put uh, all the first basemen in front of two sock nets, and any ball that gets through them is a goal. And I take the fungo and hit from anywhere from 25 to – hundred feet away as hard as I can. And they get, all they got to do is stop it. I'm not asking them to pick it. I'm just asking them to not let it hit the nets. And if it goes wide, it's a no goal. It's no shot. Um, but otherwise our guys get, get pretty into that on a Friday mornings is a Friday mornings are our, our early practices. We're in there at five 30. Um, we do some, it's a chance to do our long throwing, um, cause nobody else is in the gym and our guys love it. Used to be swimming right that early. 5.30 Friday practice? We still do swimming. You 7, still do that? Yep, okay. 7.30 after practice on Friday mornings, our guys get in. And I wouldn't call it swimming, Tony. Um, okay. it's, it's more of a workout in there. Our guys aren't lap pool, lap swing, and they're in there right. just doing arm care and uh, some explosion stuff. But uh, since we started doing that, we've had very minimal um, elbow and shoulder injuries. So four years of doing it, we've had one kid um, not be able to practice because of an arm injury. So it's more for durability and longevity keeping players healthy i thought it was like a a cardio type of activity no it's not i mean they, they get a little tired there's some jumping and some boxing <laughs> that goes into it but um it's not something i physically could do anymore myself but uh it's definitely um the guys that are in a lot better shape are, are it's arm care for for everybody and, and especially you know with everybody's uh too many pitches are being thrown or this i've always been a believer that there's no such thing as pitch count a flat pitch count for everybody. You know, there's this magic number of a hundred in college. And I just never believe that what I believe is what bodies can handle. And some guys can handle more and some can't, but this gives them a way to re- recover a lot better than, than uh, just doing nothing. That's interesting. What you just said there. I want to explore that more. How do you determine when a player or a pitcher is good to continue going or is it fatigue? Is it their on field? Is it, you know, they don't, their fastball doesn't have the explosiveness. What do you look for in a pitcher who? you determine is kind of getting tired on the mound. Sure. If, if mechanics aren't changing, I think they're still in control as long as they're not getting hit around. I mean, I, I have no problem going out there uh, as a, as a, uh, as an example, Carson Jakes from a couple years ago threw 138 in a, in a game for us against that. Chicago and uh, won the game. But knowing that he's only going to throw one day a week being a starter uh, is different. So when I played, I, they, I had tried to be a starter. I just couldn't handle the, the load of it, but I could throw every day. Yeah, you needed me to throw fifty pitches. I could do it every day. That's just how my body was. Um, I couldn't go longevity, but I could give you shorter spurts of it. So, um, you know, big thing is is if their mechanics aren't changing and where they're laboring, they might lose some velocity. That's going to happen as innings go on. But it's just how how their mechanics are working. I'm thinking of someone like Sam Hunt. Am I correct in saying that someone who would get out of brought out of the bullpen seemingly almost every game in in a big moment and. Uh, in hopes to produce for the team. Is that, is that yeah, Sam assumption? Sam had came on his senior year and, and definitely did that. I think he, he probably had 20 appearances that year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and they were significant appearances. And we were still fighting for a chance in the tournament still to make the turn, the Midwest Conference tournament. And I think he threw um, almost every game that we won in the 7th, 8th, or ninth uh, to come through. And he was a guy that he would never tell you his arm was sore, uh, at least his senior year. Um, 
but he would come out and, you know, he's fastball, slider, change up, and he threw all three for strikes and, and was kind of that uh, bulldog on the mound when you want, when, uh, when you needed him. And, and Sam was a little, a little different, but he, he definitely was a, a, a good asset to have out of the pen. We're towards the back end of this interview now, and I want to transition to one of our fan favorite segments. It's called 60 Seconds, so today's interview will be 60 Seconds with Mike Walrick. And Mike, I'm just going to fire questions off at you rapid fire. You let me know what you think of it. We'll only spend 60 seconds on this segment, and you just fire answers back at me. How does that sound? Perfect. Let's do it. Okay, I might try to catch you off guard here. So just I usually do. <laughs> okay, on the, on, when I start the timer, we'll get going. Favorite activity for the whole family? Bowling. Dream vacation destination? Hawaii. Which was more rewarding, a new house or a new truck? New truck. Favorite food to grill in the backyard? Steaks. Best movie you've ever seen? Uh, Wizard of Oz. Overall favorite drill to run in practice? Number one on the list. Number one on uh, first base lacrosse. Who is the goofier personality, Robbie Dombrowski or Noah Lindsley? <laughs> Robbie Dombrowski for sure. <laughs> Who is the goofier personality, Robbie Dombrowski or Connor Yako? Robbie Dombrowski. <laughs> I have a feeling I could keep going. You could. It's going to be Robbie. Compare and contrast a sprinkler irrigation system to a drip irrigation system. Uh, sprinklers, it's pushing out. Drip irrigation just basically holes in it. <laughs> favorite part about St. Norbert College? Being a Green Knight, Communio. What's your favorite part about this new office? I can do whatever I want in it. <laughs> <laughs> that was 60 Seconds with Mike Walwick. You did great. Thanks, Tony. I mean, that was really a... Uh, <laughs> I like the, the irrigation system one. That was the one that I tried to get you with because I knew that you wouldn't see it coming, but I knew you'd be able to answer it. Uh, 15 years of doing it. And the goofy personalities, I knew Robbie Dombrowski would take the cake against Noah Lindsley. Yeah, he, you could ask. <laughs> it would be almost anybody, and it's going to be Robbie Dombrowski. I don't think that guy washed a uniform for four years. <laughs> and he's still coaching. He's still an assistant yeah, coach. Yeah, he's a, he's he's a Division One assistant place. coach at Evansville um, in uh, lower part of Indiana. I only have one more question for you, uh, Wally, before we conclude this interview. And I want you to take some time, answer it as genuinely as possible. What motivates you? Honestly, it's a, two, two, it's a twofold answer. Um, first is my family. Um, they're, they're awesome to be around. Uh, my wife does a phenomenal job. If any wives are out there knowing that they're a, a coach's wife, uh, trust me, I understand the struggle. Um, my kids are awesome. My, they ask constantly if they can go to a St. Norbert game. We go to hockey games all the time because my family loves being here. But uh, it's the players. I mean, they show up every day uh, knowing that at the end of the day they're not going to be playing for the Yankees or the Mets. They know that the four years are going to be four years of, of college baseball, and, and then after that they're going to become doctors or lawyers or, or business professionals or financial advisors. Um, so the hard work that they put in definitely motivates us. Mike Walrick is heading into his fourth overall season at the head coaching position for the Green Knight baseball team, but again, has been here for 15 or so years, knows the program well, and I wish you the best of luck heading into this year in the NACC this year, and you finally get a full year, you don't, it's not just conference games, you just got back from Florida, so I think it'll be a really fun year to watch, and especially for you as a head coach, I wish you the best of luck moving forward with it. Thanks, Tony, I know we're excited. All right, that was... The Tony G Show interviews Mike Walrick on The Tony G Show. Thank you for listening to The Tony G Show interviews Mike Walrick. We wish Coach Wally the best of luck throughout the 2022 regular season. For more of The Tony G Show or The Tony G Show interviews, subscribe to the podcast and make sure to visit TonyGNation.com. Thanks again for listening to The Tony G Show interviews Mike Walrick.